Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hello and welcome to the Outsider Art Podcast, Episode 1, The Journey Begins. Welcome to this exploration into the curious world of outsider art, a world of uncertainty, contradictions, controversy, and above all, fascinating and intriguing artwork that's well worth getting to know. To start off with, I'll do a quick intro to myself. I am podcasting from Aotearoa, New Zealand. We are in the South Pacific Ocean, just east of Australia and very far west of South America. Aotearoa, New Zealand is made up of a bunch of islands with two main islands, inventively called North Island and South Island. I live near the top of the North Island in a small coastal town called Mangawai. We are about as far away from the historical leaping off point of outsider art as you can get. I have no art history training and no artistic training either, which seems ironically ideal for a podcast on this topic. However, it's probably not, and as this podcast evolves, I expect to undergo a necessary upskilling in my ability to present the subject matter. There is now a wealth of material discussing outsider art, from in-depth books on the genre to academic papers, periodicals, critiques, and opinion pieces. Outsider art is hard to define, but I think that Daniel Wojcik in his book Outsider Art, Visionary Worlds and Trauma both summarizes it succinctly and hints at its problematic nature. Quote, Often characterized as, quote, raw art that is created spontaneously and for entirely personal reasons, outsider art historically has been associated with individuals who have no formal artistic training and exist outside the dominant art world. Psychiatric patients, visionaries and trance mediums, self-taught individuals, recluses, folk eccentrics, social misfits and assorted others who are isolated or outcast from normative society by choice or by circumstance. My aim is to delve into both the art and the artists that have been subsumed into the outsider art field. From the very beginnings when the art of the patients presented in the academic monographs of their psychiatrists brought the work of unknowing pioneers out from within the hospital walls in the early 20th century, to the canonization of many of these artists as art brute masters under the manifesto of Jean Dubuffet, to the anglicizing and loosening of art brute to outsider art to the adoption and manipulation of outsider art by the US art establishment and the spiralling existential chaos surrounding outsider art over the past 50 years. I want to explore the controversies and dichotomies relating to the terminology and the relevancy or not of its continued use in contemporary times and for contemporary artists. I will look at key moments in the history of outsider art, the personalities, core texts, manifestos, exhibitions and discoveries, 
It's an intriguing subject and one that stands alone from much of conventional art history and that outsider art is not an artistic style or historical movement as such. There is no unifying aesthetic common ground and generally no intention by the artists collected under its banner to be categorised as outsider artists or to produce work in or for the outsider art genre, at least not until relatively recently. But my key focus will be on the art and the artists, as that's what attracted me in the first place, and is still what excites and fascinates me about it. Each episode will be accompanied by further reading material and examples of artwork on the shows.acast.com slash outsider-art-podcast website. My aim is to create bite-sized episodes of around 20 minutes in length, although for some artists and subjects there may be a need to either create longer or split episodes to cover the content. I first became aware that there was something called outsider art about 25 years ago. I was struck by the originality of vision, the breadth of styles and the uniqueness of the artistic voices that were arbitrarily grouped under this umbrella term. I was drawn to the new way of looking at the world and the myriad human experiences that were presented in the works. As John Maisel's editor of the hugely influential Raw Vision magazine, which was an instructive and inspirational guide for an outsider art newbie, says, quote, It is no wonder that an art with immediate appeal and immediate responses, that needs little critical explanation to be fully appreciated, an art that has real meaning, that stems from the roots of genuine creativity, that is forever innovative and original and truly reflects the individuality of its host of creators, cannot fail to touch an increasing and appreciative public. End quote. Since my first bite of the outsider art cherry, I have watched from the outer as the insider art world has closed in around it, has taken it into its bosom, loosed the wheat from the chaff in some cases, but muddied the waters in others, and is repositioning and redefining what was always a shaky concept from the word go. It's a confusing and complicated subject to take on not least because outsider art lumps together artists who had nothing in common in the art that they created. From the schizophrenic inmates of hospitals scrawling on walls or creating sculptures out of chewed bread, the mediums automatically transcribing repetitive spiritual motifs, the obsessive creators of visionary environments, to the autodidacts of the American South representing their lives in bold strokes. The only thing they had in common was that they were generally not regarded in any way by the establishment as capital A artists. Nor, in most cases, did they expect to be regarded in this way, or, especially amongst those suffering from mental illness, was it even within the bounds of their conception, although there are some exceptions to this. Adolf Wolfley is a prime example. So we are dealing with disparate art forms and styles that have been encompassed in a genre that defines artists' circumstance and their perceived outlier status, but gives no clues as to what we can expect to see when we view their art. As Daniel Wojcik says, quote, 
the category of outsider art was not created by artists themselves, he continues. It is a classification that has been defined and imposed upon individuals by collectors, art critics and dealers. End quote. Both art brute and outsider art as genres will always struggle to accommodate the breadth of work that supposedly sits within their outstretched arms. Hence the ongoing term warfare and dispute around whether such terms as self-taught, noir invention, naive art, folk art, visionary art, autodidact art, idiosyncratic art, etc., etc., are more appropriate descriptors. Daniel Wojcik again, quote, The term itself is the subject of ongoing debate, promoted by some dealers and critics as a valid category, rejected by others as a deeply offensive concept, and often embraced in resignation for lack of a better word. He continues, Adding to the confusion, the concept of outsider art has different and very specific associations in Europe where such art was initially identified and studied. In the United States, the awareness of outsider art is relatively recent. End quote. As I have started on this more in-depth exploration, I have also begun to question the relevance of the concept of outsider art in contemporary times. Outsider art, or probably more specifically at the time, the art of the insane, was from its very beginnings ripe for the plucking by artists working within, but often on the edges of the art mainstream. Modern art, birthed in the mid-1800s, was quite prepared to magpie from the outsider art canon, much as it was from ethnic art. A century on, we are now at the point, and it could well be argued that we were at the point many decades ago, that there is very little to distinguish much contemporary art sitting comfortably in galleries and museums from what is labelled outsider art. There is also, thankfully, less of the inhumane conditions that produce the sort of suffering individuals who fill much of the ranks of the tippy-top of the outsider artist genre. Lucien Perry, the former director of the Collection de la Art Brute, and I apologise for mispronouncing French, which I'll do throughout this podcast, in her book Art Brute, The Origins of Outsider Art, pretty much kills off the possibility of contemporary authentic art brute, and with it, outsider art. She concludes, quote, As soon as artistic expression is actively proposed, encouraged, and supervised in art workshops, art brute is neutralized and takes flight. She continues, discoveries of new works have dwindled. Obviously, art brute is becoming rarer. End quote. Is it possible that outsider art, defined initially as art brute by Jean Dubuffet and later, though somewhat less dogmatically in the form we know of it today by Roger Cardinal, is purely useful as an historical term? a catch-all that allowed for art insiders to construct a convenient grouping of art and artists at a point in time. Maybe. However, we also find that there are now artists quite willing to claim outsider artist status for themselves, subverting the top-down traditions of the art establishment and looking, perhaps, 
find a leg up and a way in, some artists are quite willing to exploit the buzz and let's face it, democratisation that outsider art allows. And in the age of the internet, where cultural exchange is global and almost unrestrictive, who's to stop outsider artists, genuine or not, from marketing themselves online to a potential audience of millions? Yes, folks, it's a rabbit hole that we're heading down, and one that will likely ask more questions than it answers. Which brings us to the equally vexing question of how to talk about outsider art. As outsider art emerged from the shadows, there would inevitably be difficulties presenting work from a genre that had no one defining formal style. In fact, the defining feature was that the artists themselves were not artists. So the tendency to lean into biography became core to the exhibiting of the work, and the more outside of the biography, the better. The stories that circulated around the lives of outsider artists were, and still are, fascinating, much as the lives of many recognised insider artists are. But often they were foregrounded so much that they became more crucial than the artistic merit of the work. Are they outsider enough? This led to a level of fetishism, of freakishness, and of trial and tribulation, and it could be argued it undermined the outsider artist to the status of a mere curiosity. The concentration on a single-pointed focus on biography was labelled by Roger Cardinal as, quote, biographical reductionism. As Marcus Davies says in his paper on outsider art and the margins of the mainstream, quote, the outsider field has become increasingly troubled by preoccupation with backstory. This is not to say that the life of the artist need be overlooked, but when it threatens to overshadow the actual artwork, becoming in itself a collectible commodity, something has clearly gone awry. End quote. However, there have also been very deliberate attempts by writers and gallery and museum curators to focus on the art rather than the artist in a number of different ways, and I want to appropriate these as I talk about the work of each artist. I'm going to borrow from the aforementioned Marcus Davies paper, where he summarises four models of contextualisation that have been in play, to some degree or other, in the display of outsider artwork. Firstly, biographical emphasis can be problematic, but does give the semi-reliable context of a backstory and as Davies describes, enables, quote, the viewer to access work that does not immediately appeal to our conditioned appraisals of fine art, end quote. Next up is formal emphasis, which, as Davies says, quote, strives to allow the work to speak for itself, inviting the viewer to make judgments based on the artist's aesthetic choices. He continues, Formal considerations function to level the playing field between inside and out, placing the burden of proof where it belongs and where the public expects it to be, squarely on the art itself. End quote. Davies then posits, under the heading of appropriate emphasis, how the previous emphases are the two dominant paradigms of art history that have shaped the way in which art is presented to the public. Namely, as Donald Preziosi says, quote, internal conditions of creativity 
and the external circumstances of production, end quote. The objective being contextualizing the art for the viewer. However, this leaves power in the hands of the art establishment, making them, as described by Preziosi, quote, institutions of empowerment and disempowerment, end quote. Appropriative emphasis looks at an approach that allows for the multitude of forms which exist in outsider art to be comparatively appreciated alongside modern art, as represented in the influential Los Angeles County Museum of Art 1992 exhibit Parallel Visions, Modern Artists and Outsider Art, achieving, in summary, a flexible practice of outsider art's valuation based on useful, as Preziosi says, quote, interactions among object, beholder and environment at a given place and time, end quote. However, this approach has been critiqued by Christina McCollum in her paper Exhibitions on Outsider Art since 1947 as, quote, reinforcing modernism's dominance and legitimizing power, end quote. So we will see where we get to with the appropriative emphasis. Which brings us to our fourth emphasis, patrimonial emphasis. Davies states that while this may not be relevant to all outsider artworks, he focuses on American vernacular art to make his point that some outsider artwork plays a role in helping to define cultural heritage and that the building and preservation of this cultural patrimony should be a serious consideration that requires cooperation between those involved in the collection and representation of this work. So there you go. I won't, of course, restrict myself as I move forward into the task of presenting this podcast, but it is useful, I think, to have some sort of framework to work with. As we reach the end of this introductory episode, I'd like to do a little housekeeping for the upcoming episodes. Firstly, I apologise profusely for any mispronunciation. I am guaranteed to absolutely butcher words that are not derived from my English-speaking background. French, Spanish, Italian and many of the Germanic languages will undoubtedly trip me up. This will not be intentional and I intend to remedy any mistakes in future episodes. So if you hear me mangle names, terms or anything else please let me know and I will attempt to put it right in future. I'll also note in advance that for the first few episodes of this podcast, I'm likely to lean heavily on quotations, partly because the people I'm quoting express the information so much more succinctly than I can, and partly because I'm on a steep learning curve and will take some time to find my voice. I will make sure that reading lists are supplied for each episode so you can drill down further into the subject should you wish. It's my intention to flit around in terms of subject matter. This will not be a linear art historical podcast with a start and an end point. I'm too impatient to get to some of my favourite outsider artists to do that, so please don't expect that I'll be going in any sort of order along a timeline. Please do check out shows.acast.com slash outsider-art-podcast for further information, reading suggestions and samples of each artist's work. The artwork that features on the banner 
for this podcast is by an Aotearoa New Zealand artist called Carmen Brown. It represents the Christchurch Cathedral, which was destroyed by a devastating earthquake in 2011. The black balloons represent the people tragically killed in the quake. This piece hangs in my home and watches over me as I put this podcast together. Thank you for listening, and I hope you will join me on the next Outsider Art podcast, where I will be exploring the huge body of work of one of the recognized masters of the outsider art world, Adolf Wolfley.